Howdy, you're listening to the Texas A&M RUF podcast. Hope you enjoyed the talk. Uh, hey y'all, um, my name is William. If I haven't met you yet, uh, I'd love to if you're new. Again, just a big warm welcome. We love new faces um, in the crowd and um, just echoing what, what Thomas said at the beginning. Like, whatever brought you here, you don't even know, like, I don't even know why I showed up to this christian thing tonight. Like, we're, we're glad you're here. Whatever brought you here is a good enough reason for us. Um, so we're glad you're here. Um, also just wanted to make one more announcement. Um, I put in our group me, so again, if you haven't joined our group me, that's kind of just our community bulletin board for everything going on. Um, we've put announcements on there. I put on there earlier in the week, some uh, missions trips opportunity. One of them would actually be for spring break, going to London and learning a little bit about evangelism and kind of hanging out in London and learning a bit about some of like the uh, Asian immigrant communities there. Um, so if anybody is kind of interested in putting together like a group spring break trip, like I kind of want to like let the spirit move. Like so if you're interested in that, Want to talk to some friends, want to talk to me about that's cool. Two of the other opportunities on there, one is for like a week-long trip, and then one is kind of for a more um, summer-long internship. So if you're kind of still kicking around, what am I going to do this summer? I don't know. And the Holy Spirit is leading you in any way to think about missions. Consider that. Um, please check those opportunities out. I put it's... Um, Serge, S-E-R-G-E, is the name of the missions organization. It used to be called World Harvest. Um, Serge is way cooler. I guess they changed the name to that, and they spelt it differently. You know, that's, that seems cool. Um, it's kind of like, you know, white girls naming their daughters like Ashlyn, but it's like, how did you spell it with, like, seven eyes? And, anyway, sorry. Um, uh, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, so surge.com slash internships, check it out. Um, we love, love, love missions uh, here at RUF. Okay, um, so let's move on to sermon. So I, I want to apologize to, to multiple weeks. So I, I'm responsible for putting in the document every week the, the sermon thing. And so I accidentally left out the dash between the 1 and the 5 there and 15. So uh, I've got the, the text is a little bit different. So we're actually going to be starting in Genesis chapter 5, verse 1, reading to verse 5, and then 21. So we're going to be looking at um, some, some genealogy. So I figured we could do a little like, and so-and-so, father, so-and-so, father, so-and-so, and we could go dot, 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 and kind of skip ahead that y'all would all be okay with us not reading every single last one of these names um, on here. But do a... Um, I tried. I tried. So that's why we're skipping ahead. But okay, so just to orient you, yeah, so we are this semester looking at the Old Testament book, the book of Genesis, actually the first book of the entire Bible. Um, And we're looking at basically the first 11 to 12 chapters or so uh, because they actually lay out for us this foundation for the rest of the Bible. Um, And really lays out this foundational understanding of just the story of mankind. The story of who God is. The story of how God relates uh, to us and even saves us. 
And we covered some ground already. Today we're at Genesis 5. And right before this, we've looked at some of the more famous stories in the Bible, things like Adam and Eve, the first people who introduced sin into the world and really introduced sin into us, into the human experience. Um, and then we saw how that carried on tragically in the story of Cain and Abel, where Cain let the indwelling sin, this evil force in him, carry him away, rule over him, and he killed his brother. And then he becomes this father of a line of people that just build a society of like more and more viciousness and evil. But, this was kind of where we left it last night, or yeah, last week, was uh, God provided Adam and Eve another child named Seth. And from Seth, we have a new family line emerge. It's actually turned back to God, called to God uh, for mercy, is trusting in Him, resting in His promise to one day send someone who would actually crush the head of the serpent, sin and death, um, and, and bring life to people. And so we're going to pick up there, chapter 5, and see what comes next as the, the story of the Bible unfolds and continues with this godly line of the descendants from Seth. Uh, but first, let's pray. Uh, Lord, this is your word, and your word is truth, and your word is sometimes hard for us as we encounter it because it's just, it's just different from most of the reading we do. We, we don't often pick up ancient Near Eastern genealogies in our free time, um, and so sometimes it's hard for us to connect with what's going on here, but I pray uh, that you would speak to us through this because as we are reading this text, we know that your spirit is also attached to this. And then there's actually no other way, at least for normally for us to expect you to speak to us other than through this word right here, as maybe hard or difficult as it is. So Lord, by your spirit, uh, would you meet us where we need to be met and show us yourself. And it's your name we pray. Amen. So again, uh, that's going to be kind of wrong. Bulletin's not going to have it all. Maybe it's going to have some parts. But if you want to follow in your Bible or on your phone, we're going to be starting Genesis chapter 5, verse 1. And I'll kind of indicate where we're dot, dot, dotting into the, into the future of the text. Okay. This is the book of the generations of Adam. When God created man, he made him in the likeness of God. Male and female, he created them. And he blessed them and named them man when they were created. When Adam had lived 130 years, he fathered a son in his own likeness, after his image, and named him Seth. The days of Adam after he fathered Seth were 800 years, and he had other sons and daughters. Thus, all the days that Adam lived were 930 years, and he died. All right, so skipping ahead now to Genesis 5, verse 21. When Enoch had lived 75 years, he fathered Methuselah. Enoch walked with God after he fathered Methuselah 300 years and had other sons and daughters. Thus all the days of Enoch were 365 years. Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. When Methuselah had lived 187 years, he fathered Lamech. Methuselah lived after he fathered Lamech 782 years, and he had other sons and daughters. Thus all the days of Lamech, of, uh, excuse me, of Methuselah were 969 years, and he died. When Lamech had lived 182 years, he fathered a son and called his name Noah. 
saying, Out of the ground that the Lord has cursed, this one shall bring us relief from our work and from the painful toil of our hands. Lamech lived after he fathered Noah 595 years, and he had other sons and daughters. Thus all the days of Lamech were 777 years, and he died. After Noah was 500 years old, Noah fathered Shem, Ham, and Japheth. When man began to multiply on the face of the land and daughters were born to them, the sons of God saw the daughters of man were attracted, and they took as their wives any they chose. Then the Lord said, My spirit shall not abide in man forever, for he is flesh. His days shall be 120 years. The Nephilim were on the earth in those days, and also afterward when the sons of God came into the daughters of man, and they bore children to them. These were the mighty men who were of old, the men of renown. The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And the Lord regretted that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him to his heart. So the Lord said, I will blot out man whom I have created from the face of the land, man and animals and creeping things and birds of the heavens, for I am sorry that I have made them. But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. The word of the Lord. So, on a scale of like everything's great and we're all happy and it's all good, to everything is just like one big giant bummer dumpster fire nightmare. The passage we just read definitely trends more towards right the bummer dumpster fire. Um, if you were to read this genealogy all the way through, the things that would just pop off the page for you, these repeated words would probably be one, like, wow, these people lived a really long time. That's weird. But then two, even still, even as they lived a super long time, the thing that you'd have just heard over and over and over again was, and he died, and he died, and he died, and he died, over and over. Right? And then you get this story of these kind of weird, enigmatic uh, figures called the, the sons of God and the Nephilim. What's up with that? That's weird. And there, there's some debate, but I think just the best interpretation is that just like we talked about uh, Lamech last week, these were kind of just these warlord figure people that are just kind of really powerful politically, maybe with the armies. And they just threw their power around, and they did whatever they wanted. It, it wasn't a lot of fun being a woman, um, as you could tell from these passages, because it's just kind of powerful men just did what they wanted with people. Um, not great. Okay? And then you just get one of these statements where you go, well, that says it about as perfectly as we could have said it. Someone to ask, hey, what are, what are people like? Like, just give us, like, a one little, like, Yelp review people. <laughs> Chapter 6, verse 5. The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Right? Only evil continually. Only evil, like, some of the time, oh no, all the time, continually. Every single second. Gotcha. Right, the Yelp review is not 10 out of 10 recommend at this point. And so it's just in the midst of all this like, ugh, sin, fall, death, P 
People abusing power. People abusing people. Not painting a pretty picture. But even still, uh, we'll unpack this as we go. There are actually a little few glimpses of hope in this. They're kind of going and begging the question like, hey, is there a way to fix this? Like this world's a disaster. People are a disaster. But is there a way to fix this? Um, so as I've gotten older, you know what is more and more just music to my ears? Is when someone comes up to me and just says, hey, can I, can I do that for you? Can I do something for you? I'm like, oh, yes. Like, so last year, I, I know freshmen, you won't um, remember this, but last year, just at the end of the year, it was crazy. We were kind of, sort of starting to come out of COVID stuff, but also not really... Um, and, but there's just a lot of stuff, like graduation, graduation parties, and um, we kind of decided at the last minute to do a fall, or excuse me, a summer conference. So it, normally there's like an entire team of people at RUF National that for months and months beforehand plan our big summer conference trip. It was like me and five other campus ministers and our interns and, and staff members all like in a matter of three or four weeks decide to just throw together um, a, a summer conference. And like I was just feeling like the stress of that. Like I think me and Maggie were literally in a meeting and just like the anxiety of like all the things that needed to be done. Like I was about to like, I'm just gonna go like dry heave all my anxiety like just in the corner somewhere. And um, as we're just kind of looking at a bunch of the end of the year agenda and parties and things like that they need to handle, I just remember like Maggie just looked at me and like our end of the year party and was like, hey, can I just like, can I just take care of that for you? And I just wanted to like throw like money, or to me it just felt like she just like was throwing gold coins at me like, oh my gosh, yes, yes, yes. And it was just incredible um, relief. And our, and our passage just kind of begs the question, like, is there somebody out there just with, like, all the things that are wrong with the world that is just going to go, like, hey, can I handle that for you? Can I just, like, can I take care of this? Can I fix this? Um, so that's what I want us to ask, just two questions tonight. So first, what, what's wrong? What needs to get handled? What needs to get fixed? Uh, and then second, how does it get handled? How does it get fixed? So first... What needs to get handled? Well, we said it already. One of the things that is just very apparent in this passage uh, is, is death. And I know for a lot of y'all, uh, that is a subject matter that has been very personally close up in your face recently. So I, I, there's, we've had lots of students that have had grandparents and loved ones uh, who passed away due to COVID. Um, some of you have had grandparents and family members, people close to you, pass away for other reasons. Um, and that is hard. Um, and that feels just really, really uh, close right now and heavy. And, and I just want to say as a side, look, here at RUF, like, we want to be a place where, like, where you can talk about the things that are sad and hard. And if you lose people, like, we want you to put those kinds of prayer requests. Like, we want to pray for you. We want to pray for your family when hard things are happening. Put those in the group meet. Come talk to me. Talk, talk to our interns, George and Maggie. Like, we are here. We want to be a place where you can, and like, 
to not solve your things, but just sit with you um, and be sad. So please, um, please use us. Avail yourself of us. Um, and, um, okay. So look, how do we see death being handled in our passage? I don't think I have to go on and on about like why death's a problem. I think we, we get that. But how does it get handled? So there's this strange reference to the fact that this man Enoch was walking with God. In other words, he had a relationship with God. He walked with God. And then he was not because the Lord took him. And that's supposed to feel like this just very surprising like pop in the middle of this genealogy of all these like long list of people that like they were born and then they died. And they were born and then they died. And then all of a sudden there's a person who was born and then he just like got taken up into, and I don't even know how to explain that or if I even understand it, but got taken into the realm of heaven. And then guess what didn't happen to him? He didn't die. He escaped death. Um, right? And so that, that assumption that, look, like once someone is brought into heaven, brought into God's presence and taken out of this world, death actually can't exist there and can't touch people. And it's there. And so you're not going to pass into eternal life. And so like we're kind of getting a, a salvation nugget dropped on us here. We're starting to get clued into like, hey, like one of the ways that this, the brokenness and the messed upness of this world is going to get fixed is like we need to re-tap into heaven. We need to figure out a way to get there. Uh, that actually like human bodies escape death by getting into heaven. And so the situation you know, it's a bit bizarre, but here, let, me, let me kind of try to explain it like this. So you know when you go to an ice cream place and you can get the, like, the little mini sampler spoon thing, like Baskin-Robbins, it's like pink. Did y'all grow up with Baskin-Robbins? Okay, that's not a dated thing, on it. It's like y'all are like marble slab people or something, I don't know. Um, so you get the little mini spoon. So the mini spoon, like you can get a little sampler of everything. And so Enoch, he is the little sample spoon. But what is like the big, huge ice cream sundae? It's Jesus. Jesus is the big whole soup of ice cream that Enoch is just this little, tiny um, sample taste of. Right? So part of the gospel, the good news of Christianity, is that the second person of the Trinity, the Son, took to himself a real, live human body and soul. And he lived. And he died. And then he came back to life again uh, through the power of God, is this, this, this vindication of his human perfection that he lived out. Um, but in his resurrected, never to die again because he conquered sin and death body that he has, see, we, and we don't really, we don't spend a ton of time. We love to talk about uh, Jesus' life, death, resurrection, but actually what is always factored in is a really important part of explaining what the gospel is, the good news of Jesus, is also his ascension. That Jesus in his resurrected body didn't hang out on earth actually for very long at all, where he actually ascended 
to heaven. What that means is that there's actually a real life flesh and blood human being seated in the heavenly realm next to God the Father ruling over the entire universe. And what's so great about that is when we believe in Jesus, when we trust in him, we're actually united to him by his Holy Spirit, that we, are, we have union with Christ. We're connected to him. We can't be unconnected. And so what becomes true of Jesus, what is true of Jesus, is also true of us. Wherever Jesus is, hey, guess what, where we are, we're where he is. So Jesus, in his human body, his glorified human body, he is seated at the right hand of God in heaven where eternal life reigns forever and ever and ever. You know where you and I are seated? We are seated in heaven at the right hand of God the Father where only eternal life can be true of us now, right? And so what that means for us as we in the here and now, and as this world waits for Jesus to actually bring heaven and bring eternal life down here to earth, and we pray that that happens quickly, Lord Jesus. But as we wait, we can bet our bottom dollar that we have eternal life, that death is fixed, it's solved, somebody's handled it, because Jesus' human body that we trust in and believe in and have union with has eternal life in heaven right now. Right now. Okay, so God handles death. He handled it. But what else is wrong? The heart of mankind is only evil continually. And I think there's like a normal reaction to that statement that goes, I, hmm, I mean, I guess, I mean, nobody's perfect. Um, this feels like maybe a pretty exaggerated description of the badness of humanity to you. Right, are we really all bad as that. Um, right? It kind of feels like the Bible is saying, we talked about this in our upper class in Bible study, sometimes it can feel like the Bible is saying everyone is like an evil supervillain um, all the time, like plotting to destroy the world just all the time, always. And, um, and you might be going like, I don't, I don't know if that's true or not. I don't know if people are that evil. Okay, so here's how I think the Bible would respond to that take. Evil all the time doesn't have to be supervillain evil all the time to still be evil, to still be sin, right? It can just be good old-fashioned selfishness. Like, I just kind of live for me, and I just think about me all the time. Everything I do revolves around just kind of my preferences and my convenience. It can just be good old-fashioned self-righteousness. I just kind of think I'm better than everybody else around me. Um, and I might not say that out loud, but you know, it's kind of the way I like. Every, if people around me do things or whatever or I run into problems, like it's pretty much just always like the other person's fault, right? Um, it could just be good old-fashioned, hey everybody, like look how good I am. Everyone look up to me. Everyone esteem me. Right? We're all kind of in our um, selfish we want to replace God with ourselves PR campaign um, all the time. Um, right? I think human beings are especially good at being evil by being like 
good rule-following people too, right? Because why, like, why do we follow the rules? Why do we decide to do the good things we do? Again, just all as a way of saying, like, I actually don't have to have God be my Savior if I can just be this good person that doesn't need saving. Um, and that's evil because it's selfish, self-centered. Little evil is still evil. Um, and, you know, here's the truth. Big evil always starts out as little evil. Um, in the book Homegoing by Yah Jesse, I don't know if any of y'all have read that. Actually, Yah uh, went to high school with my wife Catherine in, in Huntsville, Alabama. Um, and Yah, she um, she won a big reward or reward award for this book. It's really great. Homegoing. It's about um, kind of this back and forth between. Uh, a family in Ghana, and it goes like all the way back into slave times, and like those that stayed in Ghana and those that were in America, and it kind of like goes back and forth, going through time, following this you know, genealogy, this family. Um, anyway, so kind of towards the end of the book, one of the characters, again, a, a Ghanaian man named Yaw, he's talking to his mother after years of estrangement from her, and it's kind of this like reconciliation scene and it's kind of this this confession of of sin speech she she says to him this she says what i know now my son evil beget evil it grows it transmutes so that sometimes you cannot see that the evil in the world began as the evil in your own home or that the evil in the world began as the evil in your own heart and soul. Right? But what our passage is telling us is that God can see that. That's actually very clear to him. It might not always be clear to us, but it's very clear to him. And he's a God that is just good, good, good. Just, just, just. And his justice is goodness, and his goodness is justice. And God would have to stop being good if he decided to stop being just. And his justice demands that sin get handled. And um, we're going to look more in the next couple weeks uh, with, with how that happens with the flood. And, you know, God determines to wipe out sin by wiping out sinners. Um, but he leaves one man and his family who God places this thing called unmerited favor or grace. Um, upon him, upon this man, and upon his family, and so, so we have we have the problem of sin and evil. But in this figure Noah that we've just been introduced to, we'll learn more about Noah as we go. We're starting to get the answer to, to again how it gets handled. That God's going to handle sin by destroying it, and that of course creates a problem for people like us that are that are infected with sin. Um. Because it means if God's going to destroy sin, he's going to have to destroy us. Um, that's a problem for us. Um, so if we, so what we're seeing here is that we, we need what Noah gets. Right? Noah got grace. Noah got unmerited favor handed to him by God. Right? We need forgiveness. We need God to figure out a way to destroy our sin without destroying us. And y'all, that's exactly what the cross of Jesus does. 
Because Jesus not only became a human being, but he lived as a human being perfectly without sin, without evil in his heart at all. So that means he can actually be a place where the entirety of the justice of God, right, every last drop of the floodwaters of God's wrath, can actually land on him in a way that there's not a drop left for us. There's nothing left for me and nothing left for you. Because Jesus takes it all. And so now what we get is forgiveness. It's grace. Sin gets destroyed, and we don't. Um, and I just kind of want to take a minute, just kind of here at the end of the sermon, to just kind of push in and get like real granular and practical and personal on some of this. Like, do you know that God in Jesus has handled your sin? Um, If you struggle with pornography and like you just feel the guilt and the shame of that and you're like, like how could like just this and a holy, holy, good, just God, like, I can't have both of those things um, in Jesus. God has poured out all the wrath he has to pour out on your pornography addiction in Jesus. And all there's left for you is forgiveness and grace and love and God smiles. Um, look, your, your sexual history, right? That you, that just, you, you feel scarred by it still because you just kind of feel dirty. You're like, maybe, maybe you got used. Maybe you just leaned into it full tilt. Um, but it's just something that sears your conscience still. Um, Jesus took the guilt of your sexual history. It's almost it's not your sexual history anymore. It's Jesus' because he took it away from you and he handles and he hands you your uh, his purity and his righteousness. Um, or maybe for you, you're just like, look, I'm just so convicted by the fact that like I use my words to hurt people. Either like I gossip or I lie, and I know, and it's like it just it comes out of me and after the fact, I I feel so dirty. After doing it, I just feel bad. It just like it comes out, or like I can't stop looking down my nose at people. I just I know it's wrong, but I just feel so judgmental. And I don't know what to do about that. Jesus ate all of that on the cross, and it's gone. Like the guilt of that is not yours anymore. He took it away, he wrenched it out of your hands. He said, I am going to take the wrath of this. 1 Peter chapter 2, 24, it says, Jesus himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, on the cross. We might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds, you've been healed. By Jesus' wounds, he's handled it. He's fixed it. That's good news. Do you consider that an invitation to believe in Jesus? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, um, gosh, I just want to take like 
two heartbeats to just let the reality of just the things we said here like set in. That we are sinners. Like that's just objective. Like not a single one of us could hold up anything that even closely resembles righteousness. Um, we can't hold up anything that in, in some kind of heavenly court God would like, it would just it would get laughed out. Laughed out. Because we're just only evil continually. And like that's what we bring to the table. And Jesus, you took to yourself the record of only evil continually all the time. And you did away with it so that you could hand us like only my son in whom I'm well pleased, only my daughter in whom I just am so proud of and like can't stop adoring, can't stop just like holding up and just smiling. That is our record in Jesus. Jesus, thank you so much. You handled it. You handled it. That's your name we pray. Amen. We hope that you enjoyed this episode of the Texas A&M RUF podcast. If y'all are interested in joining us for a future worship night, we would absolutely love to see y'all at All Face Chapel uh, on the north side of campus across from Sabisa at 8 p.m. on Wednesdays. Go ahead and follow at AggieRUF on Instagram for updates about any other events that we might be putting on throughout the semester. Uh, Thank y'all so much for listening, and we hope to see y'all around sometime.